We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast, a proud member of the B Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and today I'm excited to have Franklin Swan here. He is an entrepreneur from Tyler, Texas, and is the proud owner of Swan Furniture and Design. Beyond the realm of business, he's a loving husband to his beautiful wife, Brooke, and a devoted father to two remarkable children, E.F. and Camilla. Deeply rooted in his faith, Franklin is a committed follower of Christ, infusing his values into both his personal and professional life. Franklin is the torchbearer of a remarkable legacy, serving as the fifth-generation owner of Swan's Furniture and Design, a rich 128-year history. Wow. His leadership reflects a relentless pursuit of personal growth and development, setting the tone for the continued success of the family business. But Franklin is more than his furniture empire, like all of us. He is a multifaceted individual dedicated to family, faith, and the enduring pursuit of excellence. He also has an awesome podcast called The World Needs Men. You can check that out at theworldneedsmen.com. Franklin, thanks so much for being here and being part of Transformative Principles. Awesome to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And every once in a while, I have someone who's not a school principal on the show because they're just really awesome and have some great information. And you are one of those guys that seems to have everything, a great family, a great marriage, great relationship with God, and uh, everything just seems to be working for you. And I've heard you say a few things in a group that we're in. And, and I was just like, I got to interview this guy on the show. And so I'm glad to finally have you here. What's your big takeaway from our conversation today? How you show up for your family and how you show up in the workplace are completely connected. 
you cannot have things burning down at home and you can't have things just great at the office. You really, they both spill over to each other. And for us as leaders to have servant hearts where we show up and we give our best to our families every single day because we're able to fill up our own cup so that we can pour it out fully, right? If I'm just pouring out from half cup, half empty cup or, a, or an empty cup, the people I serve aren't going to get a whole lot. But if I can be a full cup being poured out to my family and then let that spill over into me showing up in the workplace in a way where I can serve my team and be humble as a leader, that is that just creates massive success. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to add to that is that you like people do have it where they're killing it at work and their family life sucks. Those are not the kind of people that we want to be. They're not happy. You can tell that they're not happy. And and that is not like the balance that we're looking for in our lives. And so the big thing to me today was where you said that the family gets what is best first. And the, instead of that depleting what you have, that actually energizes you to serve everybody else as well. And I just, I think that is just a really powerful perspective that I'm really glad you shared. Yeah, when so, I can uh, go into the office knowing that my family is thriving, that gives me just so much more energy and, and ability once I am in the workplace. And I will, I do want to throw this in. The thing that I hear is, oh, Franklin, your life looks perfect. I have built systems yeah. and put things in place that have allowed me to rebuild myself as a man. But that came for on the heels of about a, decade ago, finding myself in a deep, dark space where I was very lost. I was very confused. My marriage was not what it should be. And ultimately what it came down to is I was not healthy as a man. I looked fit and I looked like everything was going great, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually inside, I was really just burning down. And by the grace of God, found the tools and the pro and the systems that have allowed me to rebuild and create a life that I actually love living. Yeah. And just a, another shout out to your podcast, The World Needs Men. That story is shared on the, that podcast. And you definitely want to go listen to that because we don't have time to get in that today. But man, if you pause this and go listen to the first episode or so of that, the origin story, and then come back to this, you're going to be like, you're going to listen to what Franklin says in a whole different light uh, because that is mind blowing. So, uh, we'll get to my interview with Franklin here in just a moment. If you've been listening to Transformative Principle for any amount of time, you know that I have a love-hate relationship with EdTech. We have the ability to personalize learning for every single one of our students, and yet so many of our EdTech tools fall short. We need our technology to do more for us. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum, and that it's proven to benefit all student populations, including English language learners and students in special ed programs. As a principal, I've used this in my school. As a parent, I've had my children use it as well. And let me tell you, this is a tool that definitely helps students learn and practice better. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments 
and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? Now, you also know that I don't care so much about test scores, but I know that they are legislatively convenient and something that we have to deal with and manage on a day-to-day -day basis. If you can implement something that is easy and effective, why wouldn't you do it? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com B for a demo. That's IXL.com B-E. So Franklin, will you start out by telling us why it's so critical for leaders to lead themselves in order to lead others? Yeah, Jethro, it really is critical for you to learn to lead yourself before you're going to have the ability to lead others. And what it really comes down to is a matter of integrity. Like you can't lead some, someone else in something you're not able to do yourself. You know, for a long time as a husband, father, and a leader, I just had not done enough work on myself and, not, and had not built up enough of a foundation of self-leadership to have the confidence, the courage, and the clarity to step into moments when, where leadership was required. And so the more I found myself being able to lead myself, and what does that look like? Lead myself physically. Like, can I actually just lead myself to get up in the morning and work out? Clear my mind, meditate, connect with God, connect with my family every single day, and be committed to what I know I need to do first. Because then ultimately, if you can't do that, there's a gap in what you're going to be requesting other people to do as you lead them. So let's break that down just a little bit because it, there's, I think there's this misconception that the leader has to be everything to everyone. Is that what you're saying? The leader shouldn't be everything to everyone. I think a, le a leader who has a deep level of integrity is going to naturally draw them, draw other people in and just kind of be the person who lights that torch and leads the way, but it's not because of compulsion or having to manage someone or because you've got like authority over them. It's almost like because of the depth of your own integrity with who you are and, and how you lead yourself, you naturally draw people into wanting to follow that. And you really pull people along versus push them forward. So, so let's, let me just break that apart a little bit. Cause I think what you said is really powerful and I want to dig into the integrity piece more. A lot of times we think in order to be a good leader, you have to have done the job of those that you're leading. And that's not what I'm hearing you say. What I'm hearing you say is that you have to have your own level of integrity and you have to be committed to doing your own stuff and living your own life in a certain way so that people will be willing to follow you. Even if you haven't done all the things that, that you're asking them to do. And so in your example, your case, for example, you own a furniture store and you don't have to be an expert furniture maker, but you have to have your own level of integrity. If you are the best one at making the furniture also, then you should probably be making the furniture instead of running the whole mm -hmm. business. Right. And so help me understand that piece and how that relates to what you're saying. Yeah. You can be better, but ideally, I think a great leader is someone who can find people and 
to bring around them that are better in their area of expertise than they are. Like I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are amazing at what they do and they're better at their individual jobs than I am. And when they're better at their jobs, it allows me to simply be better at mine, which is leadership and strategy and doing my part of the, of the role. But what I've found that's interesting with leadership, and I, and I journaled this not too long ago, the, the thing as leaders that we are unwilling to do will cause resentment in the hearts of those we lead. So it's not that I have to be better at that, something than them. I just have to be willing to do anything I ask them to do. I clean the toilets from time to time in my own business, even though I could delegate that out. I've planted the flowers out front. That's not something that I should do regularly because I've got more value to offer the company. But there are times when I find these moments when I can step in and do something that is the kind of lowest on the totem pole activity. And when I do that, what I represent and what I show to the team, number one, is a big dose of humility. And number two, it it's, tells them there's nothing that I'm going to ask you to do that I'm not willing to do myself. And so I think that's really at the heart of it. And it's really more of an energetic thing. And that's where integrity is such a big part of it. Because I don't think that anyone expects the leader to be better at everything than they are. And in fact, I think there's a lot of value in someone realizing that they do have more to offer in a particular area than the leader. And the leader gives them the authority and the trust to actually own that part of the business. Right. And so then there's a self-confidence thing that comes in and just a level of fulfillment because they're being entrusted with something very valuable. Yeah. You said two things that I think are really powerful. Number one, the thing that we are unwilling to do will cause resentment in those we lead. Man, that is incredibly powerful. And that's something that that you can feel. Like you, you said, that's an energy thing. And you can totally feel when someone is unwilling to do something in your life. They don't want to do this. And so then you become resentful because it doesn't feel like they're delegating to you because you're better at it and you're the best person for the job. You feel like they're de delegating to you because they don't want to do it. And like, I was talking to my wife a while ago and she was like, well, I don't want to just do all the stuff that nobody else wants to do. That's no fun for me. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're absolutely right. Why would you want to do all the stuff that nobody else wants to do? Like in our relationship, I don't want my wife to do the things that I hate doing. I want her to do the things that she's great at and I'll do the things that I'm great at. But if I portray that differently, like I did in that conversation, she was like, well, I don't want to clean the bathroom if you hate cleaning the bathroom. But if you like, if you're willing to clean the bathroom, I'm happy to clean it. Mm -hmm. But if it's like we're on unequal footing, and doesn't it feel good? And it's such a energy thing. That's really powerful. And then the second thing you said is that when leaders give authority and trust to people to own that part of the, we're talking about schools usually here, but in your case, the business, that's really powerful. And there's talk a little bit more about that kind of delegation where it's like, this, this is really yours. This isn't mine. This is yours. I mean, it's ultimately mine because I'm in, in charge, but really I can't do this as good as you. How? Tell me how that works. Right. So th there's two things. And if I can hit on this other one first, because you brought it up with your wife. Sure. So I think the most important thing to realize, this starts at home. If yeah. I am unwilling to uh, empty the dishwasher, 
to help fold laundry, to clean up after myself. Like there will be resentment in my own home with my spouse around the fact that I'm treating her like help rather than owning and being a servant leader. And that's really at the heart of it, right? Servant hearted leadership is, is what the most, is the most powerful leadership. And when you do that at home with your family, it translates and makes it easier for you to do that in the workplace, right? So it's just a way that you show up no matter where you are from the standpoint of I'm going to lead in order to serve and in order to really demonstrate through my actions the value that I see in who you are, whether that's my spouse, my kids, or one of the people on my team. And then when it comes to, to the business, you know, the more I hold on to something, the more I'm a bottleneck as the leader. The more I've been able to push things down to the next rung of leadership and empower them. And that's really what leadership is. It's about creating a gap so that you can empower the people behind you. And then when you empower them to, to take on more responsibility, that frees up more space for you to grow as a leader and it pulls the whole company along. And so it's kind of this weird dynamic that you have to let go in order to grow. And the more I've let go to the people who are deserving of being let go too, then that's just allowed the business to move forward even faster and even quicker because I'm no longer holding people up from what their potential is. Yeah. And I want to talk about the doing it at home first piece real quick. One of the things that I started doing you know, I've yelled at my kids for years to get their chores done, as most people have, I think. And in the last six months, I've taken this different approach to where instead of yelling at them to do their chores, when their chores aren't done, I just serve them and do their chores for mm -hmm. them. And I just started doing this without talking, without telling anybody that's what I was doing. And what's really interesting is that my wife was getting upset because she was feeling like she was always the one hassling the kids to do it and that I wasn't helping by doing their chores for them. And, you know, that not communicating with her piece was definitely not helping the situation. But what was amazing was that my son, who's 13, noticed what I was doing. And he, when my wife was getting after me one time, like, that's our daughter's job. You need to go, you need to let her do that. He was like, mom. He's just trying to serve us. Why can't you just let him serve us? And like it on the one hand, it was amazing that my son understood that. On the other hand, I screwed up big time by not involving my wife in that process. But what was so interesting is that I haven't yelled at my kids about doing their chores in months mm -hmm. and it feels so good. And it makes it a lot easier, honestly, to not yell at other people for not getting things done when that may be my first response. And I didn't connect it until you said it's when you do it at home, that it's easier to translate into the workplace. And I was like, oh, duh, that makes total sense. But why is that so important, Franklin? Why is that true that if you do it at home, that it's easier to translate in the workplace and not vice versa? Because I have been so patient and so calm and so we can do this all day with students at school, and then I'd come home and yell at my right. kids. It, it works home to work, but it doesn't work work to home. Why is that? I think there's a priority and a sequence to everything. Like when I wake up in the morning, my first priority 
is to get myself on point so that I'm at the highest level of capacity possible to serve the people that matter the most. And so I get myself on point and then all of that energy that I get and all that focus and clarity, I can then intentionally pour into my family and they get what's best first. So the business doesn't get my best. My family should get my best. I don't always succeed at that. I don't always win at that, but that should be my intention that like my capacity that I build is first and foremost for the benefit of serving my family. Once I serve my family, then there's this, there's this really just crazy energetic thing that if I'm on point with my wife, if there's communication and connection between us, if there's communication and connection with my kids and there's stability and our family is thriving, that gives me a clarity, a confidence and an energy that I can then step into the business with that is unmatched. On the flip side, any business leader or any, any man knows this, if you're struggling at home, if your kids are disconnected and don't want to see you, if you're fighting with your wife, that will drain your capacity to lead in the workplace faster than anything else out there, period. There's just, if I'm not connected well with my wife, when I go into the office, I'm not as creative. I'm not as confident. I'm quicker to snap at people and not lead in the way I need to. So when I, pri- and when I have things prioritized in the right way, it allows me to make sure that I sequence that so that I can show up in the office and I don't have, I'm not bringing in baggage and then I can be present and pour into the people who need it there at the office. Well, and the other aspect about that, Franklin, is that when you, when you're not in alignment with your wife and kids, and then you go to work, you also feel like a jerk Mm -hmm. for not doing right by them and first and then you're you kind of have you start in a negative space and you start like you know i should have been a better husband or should have been a better dad this morning and then you're you're at work and then things are you're already stressed and frustrated it's amazing how connected it all is it is not two separate things you don't have your work in your home like they are both interconnected and when your family is thriving because you're healthy and just specifically as men, but, you know, really plus anybody, like when you're healthy, then your relationships can be healthy. When your relationships are healthy, then your workplace can be healthy. But it's really hard to only have health in one area because if if it's only in one area, the other areas are going to spill over before long and it's just not going to last. Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment. And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be so tough. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. 
That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. So we've been talking about a lot of different things, but you have this specific way of getting ready for the day that I think is really powerful. And you started talking about it and I took you away from it. So I want to go back to, and you, you talked about getting your body right first, but let's talk about the different areas where you focus and get things right to start the day mm-hmm. and why those areas. So if you go back, you know, it about, oh, 10 years into my marriage, I was struggling. I didn't have systems to go by every day to put myself on point. I really kind of got to a place where I didn't know how to figure things out. I was struggling in my business. I was struggling at home. When I was at home, I felt stressed that I wasn't at work. When I was at work, I felt guilty that I wasn't with my family. And it was just this really tough dynamic to, to navigate. And it wasn't until I began to implement systems and processes into my life that things didn't get, begin to dial in. There's a really good book called The Checklist Manifesto. And it talks about plane flights and surgical opera- operations. And there's checklists that are required. Like if you went and got on a plane and instead of going through the pre-flight checklist that every pilot goes through, he kind of threw the manual out the window and said, you know what? I think I'm just going to wing it today. Like you'd get off the plane, right? But yet that's how we approach our day. That's how we approach our life. It's like, I'll just wake up and just cross my fingers and hope that everything goes well today. And I think it's just the same thing. If you don't have a system that allows you to be physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually on point for the people that matter the most in your life every day, you're going to have more bad days than good. It's just, it's really hard because life's going to punch you in the face as soon as you walk out the door. There's going to be a situation with your kids where you're going to snap instead of having, but instead of responding in love, right? You're going to snap at your wife. You're going to walk in and not know what to do in the business and end up making a bad decision. And so I found these tools and began to implement them into my life. And as soon as I did, I saw things begin to improve. So And this is what I live and die by every day. It's how I've operated for years now. And it just serves me every day that I do it. And if I don't, I can feel it. So to make it real simple and go down, it's core four, which is for your body, like your physical health, your being, which is your spirituality, your balance, which is your relationships and business, which is really learning and leveraging new concepts so that you can take your career forward. So for my body, it's real simple. I sweat and I drink a green smoothie. Like very simple. None of this is going to be rocket science by any stretch of the imagination, but it's the consistency and compounding over time that creates the massive value in it. So basically I work out and I drink a green smoothie. That's my check for the, for the body, for my, I'm a Christian. So for my spirituality, I spend 10 minutes doing something called box breathing. And during that time, I'm just in a place of prayer and really just trying to connect with God and just open up that space where I can just be present with him. And then after that, I'll just, I'll do a journaling exercise and go through some stuff from journaling. And so the meditation and prayer slash journaling, that's my second box that I take. Uh, The next one is I write a note to my wife and two children. And it's a note that 
expresses either love, gratitude, honor, or appreciation. And I do that every single morning. There's actually a drawer in our house where they just started throwing these notes in. So if I died today, they'd literally have several thousand notes from me about what I think of them and the most cherished moments that we've had together. So I do that every day. In men especially, I will say that is one of the most powerful things I do. And two things, if you're not on a great spot with your wife, it is amazing what writing her a love note does because it forces you to see her clearly for and see the beauty that exists in her. It also makes it really hard to snap at her later on when you just wrote her a love note. It, and th this is actually something that I heard you talk about this like three months ago mm -hmm. or something. And you just said it like it was no big deal, which I think is really powerful because at this point, it's just a part of who you right. are, right? And so I've been writing my wife a note ever since then, every single day and haven't missed a day. Although the other day I did, I thought I wrote her one, but I didn't, or I didn't, I don't know where I put it, but anyway, so I had to rewrite it the next morning. But like, let me tell you, I have done some stupid things to make my wife frustrated and upset at me and having writing her a note every day has helped me. What my wife said just the other day, this was so powerful. She's like, you still do stupid things, but you get back from those stupid things much faster. And that was really big. My wife, like, trust me, she's the most loving person in the world. That was said with an incredible amount of love. Like, it was awesome for her to recognize that and to appreciate those notes is really powerful. So I've been doing that every day. And when I'm out of town, that's when I write my kids yep. notes. And so that, that has been really powerful. I traveled almost the entire month of October and wrote everybody a note every single day and sent postcards home and just incredibly powerful. So that's the body being the balance is the, like the family relationships. Uh, and then what are the, the two, the levers that you pull in business? Yeah. So, uh, one more I've actually added on the balance side before I go through with the relationships oh, is, and th this is just something extra that I began implementing. Number one, I write the notes and number two, I, you've heard of the five love languages. And so those are acts of service, quality time, gifts, words of affirmation, or quality or touch, right? So as my second thing I do for my family, I try to pick one of those. Usually it's acts of service because it's in the morning and just trying to help get going. But my other box I check is I'm going to do some act of service or help in some way that shows my wife, especially when she's trying to get the kids ready for school some appreciation, some love, and some team work in that. Like, it's not just her job. We are a team as parents, and I'm going to make sure that I'm intentional about helping out every morning in some small way. This morning, I put away all the dishes from the dishwasher that I ran last night, and she actually stopped and said, thank you for doing that. Like, that, it, it may be small for one person, but for her, that's a very big deal that I took that off her plate because she just doesn't like to do it. And so... Those are my two things. And on the note side, we could do an entire podcast just on that. And I could dive way deep because there's so much to it that we don't even have time to get into right now. But, but those are two really powerful things for my family. And then on the business side, it's really, it's finding something new to learn every day in alignment with the work that you do that you can leverage into 
driving your career or your business forward. And the majority of people, when they graduate from school, do not read another book. So just listen, and it doesn't have to be a book, but you could listen to a podcast. You could do a lot of different things, but the act of putting new information into your mind every day that's applicable and practical for what you actually do, and then finding a way to leverage that, not just to learn it and just move on, but actually leverage that learning into productive systems and processes in your business is super powerful. So how how does doing these four things in the morning, how does that change your leadership and what, how do you show up to work every right. day? It's one of those things, it's more powerful experience to then explained. But when my body is on point because I worked out and I put some good, healthy nutrition into it, when I connect with my family through love notes and acts of service, when I stimulate my brain through learning and, and actually implementing that learning, and when I'm able to create some space and connect with God, those four things done repetitively every single day, like if you just did that one day, it's not going to probably make that much difference. But when you do that and compound it over days, weeks, months, and then years, it is profound the place that puts you into. And what happens over time is you're more patient, you're more clear, you're more calm, you're, you have more courage. If you've got a bad business thing going on and you got to like really be on point and make some big tough decisions. I mean, COVID is a great example of that a couple of years ago. I doubled down on this process every single day so that I was at full capacity and had all my faculties available to me in order to make the decision I had to make then. On the flip side, so just to give a different example, if instead of getting up early and getting all that work done, and then I'm able to pour into my family and do all the productive things I need to do that day, if I slept in, hit the snooze button a few times, rolled out of bed and grabbed a Pop-Tart as I raced to work 15 minutes late, like that person showing up versus the version who got up and did all that work and already has poured into their family, already has learned and weaponized their body and done all these things. Those are two different human beings. And if you take the trajectory out forward of the results that they're going to have in their life, they are simply going to be radically different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you start out the day and you feel productive and energized and powerful by the time you get to work, then that sets up a totally different entire day. Um, and especially for the people who are listening to this, who are school principals, like you, you've got to be on point for dealing with teachers and kids and parents and the struggles that they're going through that you're not even aware of. We've talked a lot throughout this podcast about dealing with kids who've been in traumatic situations, dealing with teachers who've experienced that, uh, dealing with high intense situations and all of these things just prepare you better for dealing with any of those things that could come. Now you said a little phrase, weaponizing your body. What do you mean by that? What does that mean in this context? Because you're not going to war. Oh, you own a furniture store, right? And so what, is, what does that mean for us who aren't military people or people who are going to be in conflict every single day? What does that mean? I really think it's how you look at your body. I believe that God gave us these amazing gifts of bodies and minds and our emotions. Like they're all things that can either help us, right? Or they can hinder us and hold us back. Like if my body is sick or if I'm sedated or if I'm just not mentally clear, like all these things can either 
hold me back from being the fullest expression of who God made me to be and hold me back from the fullest amount of service I can provide to others, or it can accelerate me forward. Or as in my words, I like to think of it as my body is like a weapon that can be used in service of others. And so I don't mean a bad connotation in that, but it's just like, is it able to be, to be activated in a way that allows me to be, to have all my faculties at my disposal? That's a good way to think about it. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful way to look at it, that it's not like the body's not just there to be there. The body's there to be used. And how do you make it be used most effectively? Well, you make sure that it's healthy and strong and able to do things. So just a quick side note, my sister, she's a therapist and she's starting a therapy group here in Spokane. And so she's at this office building with like 10 offices in it and or nine offices, I don't know, something like that. And she had all this furniture and she asked my family to come and help move paintings and furniture and all this kind of stuff from the bottom floor to the top floor because they just finished remodeling it. And so I carried these large, awkward 50 pound boxes upstairs by myself and then unpacked everything and I got it ready to be put together today. And as I was driving home with my family, I was really proud of everybody pitching in and helping out. And my wife was like, what would that have looked like a year ago? And a year ago, I was 65 pounds heavier. I was not doing any kind of exercise. I was lazy. I was sleeping in. Like I would not have been able to do that like I did yesterday. And I was tired and I was working hard, but I couldn't have done that. Like my body was not a weapon a year ago. But this is exactly what you're talking about. My body was prepared to lift and carry and move and serve my sister, which is important to me. And it was awesome. It was so cool to be able to do that and to be tired afterward, but not exhausted and to wake up this morning and not feel like I'm paying for it, which would have happened a year ago. And like this idea of making your body capable to do the work that you need to do is just incredibly powerful. So how do people get more of your stuff and like be able to like get a tracking shirt or something so they can do this kind of stuff for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a site, it's called the world needs men and, you know, .com. And what that really speaks to is the world needs more men of honor more godly men who show up and serve their families and lead in their communities and in their businesses in a way that adds value to the world, creates safety for the people around them, and is honoring to the relationships in their lives. It's not a it's not a control thing. It's not a power thing. It's a servant-hearted thing. And there's more men that we need that are showing up in that way. And so you can go to theworldneedsmen.com and you can actually download a free PDF that would allow you to track your core four every day and really track it in the way that I have implemented for years now that has served me very well and allowed me to show up and lead. Yeah, that is awesome. So definitely go check out theworldneedsmen.com. Get that checklist as I've been doing this stuff. And I'm nowhere near the level of Franklin yet. But when I heard him say he writes a note to his wife and kids every day, I was like, I'm going to try that. And it's made a huge impact on my life over the last 
few months. And uh, thank you so much, Franklin, for being part of Transformative Principle. I really appreciate Pleasure it. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jethro. Edited by Gage Sanderson. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.